Welcome in to News and Views with Tom Lamprecht. The stories you've heard and the ones you need to hear. The changing legal landscape has sown fear and confusion in both patients and providers across the entire country. The temporary ruling allows methoprizone to be used in states where it is legal. That could put women in danger. Who's supplying what and what wars? Who's funding certain things? I find this far more serious and more significant than what we're hearing. Death and destruction in Ukraine. A genocide in China. Ukraine will never be a victory for Russia. Your life, your values, your voice. This is News and Views with Tom Lamprecht on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. All right, welcome in. It is Monday. Lots to talk about a uh, bad accident outside of Parker's Chapel in Greenville on Greenville Boulevard. Uh, a very familiar church to the folks in the Greenville area. Uh, the crash involved three vehicles and uh, one individual lost their lives. Several were hurt. The uh, area near Parker's Chapel is now cleared, but a uh, bad accident happened around lunchtime today. Uh, interesting, uh, there is a lot in the news today concerning what is going on up in New York. As you're probably aware, Jim Jordan held hearings up in New York concerning D.A. Alvin Bragg. This whole thing shows the total incompetence of the Democrats. The good part of this story is it appears that the American people are starting to wake up and they're realizing they're really getting the raw end of the deal, the short end of the stick, by the Democrats. First of all, the incompetence of Alvin Bragg. Now this is this would be funny if it doesn't reflect the fact that we're we're doomed because of our incompetence. In this case though, I guess I got to say I'm happy this guy is incompetent to this degree. How incompetent is DA Alvin Bragg? This is funny. A couple of weeks ago, Jim Jordan, chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, sent a subpoena to investigate whether New York District Attorney Alvin Bragg had a political agenda in indicting Trump. Now, he had to put it in that fashion because he can't just come out and, and say what is obvious to everybody. I mean, he's the head of the Judiciary Committee, so he's got to follow protocol. The, subpo the subpoena was sent to Mark Pomerantz. Pomerantz had previously worked in Bragg's office as a special assistant district attorney and reportedly quit in protest when he thought Bragg wouldn't indict Trump. You've probably heard about the name of Pomerantz. Uh, he quit, and then he decided he was going to improperly reveal everything that he knew about this case, even wrote a book out, uh, on it, trying to enrich himself. So, so Jordan sends out the subpoena. That led... Alvin Bragg, the DA, to turn around and sue Jim Jordan, the House Judiciary Committee chair, and basically is suing the whole House Judiciary Committee. Pomerantz himself was also um, being sued. In other words, he was suing him, thinking that would stop the subpoena, claiming that the lawsuit that uh, was unprecedentedly uh, uh, brazen, unconstitutional, blah, blah, blah. One of the things that Bragg requested 
in this lawsuit was a temporary restraining order to stop the subpoena. The motion for that restraining order was filed Tuesday the 11th. It's not clear what time that the motion was filed, but by 2 o'clock that afternoon, the judge, Mary Kay Viscochi, had already rejected the, the motion. And this is where it gets funny. The text of the order says, quote, the moving papers referenced a declaration of Theodore J. Botrus Jr., the court has not been provided with this document yet, nor is it on the docket. The court also has not been provided with a copy of the subpoena purportedly served on Mr. Pomerantz. In other words, Bragg puts together this lawsuit, presents it to the court, and forgets to attach the proper documents that proves his case. So the judge tossed it. <laughs> I mean, this is... This is uh, yeah, I mean, this is this is one of one stuff, uh, and, and wait, this is your job. This is and again, this is this is like saying, oh, I handed in the paper, but I forgot to print it off before I, I handed the the papers to the to the court. They they didn't attach the documents that made their point, and the judge basically bench slapped Alvin Bragg. For all intents and purposes, saying, buddy, you're incompetent. <laughs> Couldn't happen to a better guy. So today, Jim Jordan holds his hearing in New York. And um, it, it, it got fiery, to say the least. One of the first, and it was very impassioned. And if you listen to any of the, if you listen to Fox News, you'll probably hear this tonight. But it got very impassioned. Madeline Brame is a mom whose son was uh, a military vet, and he was attacked, I think it was back in 2019, 2018, 2018, her son, Army Sergeant Hanson Coria, was beaten and stabbed nine times by multiple people in 2018. The prosecution for the case dragged on for more than four years. Alvin Bragg ultimately removed the indictments against two of the suspects in favor of a lesser charge. Brame argued that Bragg's office has only served to escalate the city's crime problem, showing no measurable results in lowering the city's violent crime rate. Uh, this Madeline Bram, very impassioned mom, uh, you could tell she was almost in tears. She's, she gave her testimony for a good uh, eight or ten minutes. One Democrat, Daniel Goldman, during the committee, uh, the, the mom of the slain Army vet, and Dan Goldman, Democrat from New York, got into it. Goldman, who served as an impeachment counsel during Trump's first impeachment, sought to explain his view of the situation to Brame after the other Democrats stated that Republicans were using the witnesses as props to defend Trump. Quote, we're not insulting you. Your experiences are devastating. But the problem is that this is a charade to cover up an abuse of power. 
Republicans are going around incessantly outside of this hearing about Donald Trump, and the purpose of this hearing is to cover up what they know to be an inappropriate investigation into Alvin Bragg. I, I, you know, part of the theme of today's program is Democrats will accuse Republicans of doing exactly what they're doing. So the mom, Madeline Brame, says, can I respond to you, please? Goldman says, no, 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 not right now. I only have 20 seconds. I, I'm sorry, but that's all I've got. Brame turns around and says, don't insult my intelligence. You're trying to insult me like I'm not aware of what's going on here. I'm fully aware of what's going on here, okay? Then she says this, that's why I walked away from the plantation of the Democrat Party. <laughs> I'm telling you, there are some, not as many as we want. But I, I do think if there's a silver lining in all the garbage that the progressives, the Wokies are throwing out, the American people are starting to wake up. I mean, this is New York City. And by the way, these are African Americans. The, the, the audience was primarily made up of African Americans from New York City. Now, I'm not trying to stereotype all African We have a lot of black uh, Americans who listen to this program, very conservative. But New York City, I, I mean, just in the back of your mind, you think of New York City, African Americans, as in the hip pocket of the Democrats. Well, that's what the Democrats think. They think, hey, we, we have you. We have your vote. So we, 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 can, we can do and say whatever we want around you. And that's exactly what they did today. They insulted these citizens of New York City who see through what Alvin Bragg is trying to do. They're basically the bidding of George Soros. Democrat after Democrat tried to accuse Republicans of holding this hearing for the purpose of merely defending Trump. And the audience let them have it. First of all, the formerly large, still pretty large, um, Jerry Nadler. He's literally laughed at by audience members who are in attendance at the committee about violent crime in New York City. Cut forward, Clark. Let me be very clear. We are here today in lower Manhattan for one reason and one reason only. The chairman is doing the bidding of Donald Trump. They have perpetuated the anti-Semitic and racist tropes that Mr. Trump has directed at both the prosecutor and the judge in this case. It is, to use the chairman's favorite term, a weaponization of the House Judiciary Committee. I do not know if Mr. Trump will be found guilty. I do not know. The gallery uh, should refrain from commenting. Yeah, and laughing. <laughs> and again, what do they turn to? They have nothing. So what do they do? They accuse Donald Trump and the Republicans of being racist. That's, that's not all they know how to do. I mean, it's been their, it's been their game plan. It's, it's their get-out-of-jail-free card. It's been that way for decades. We have nothing to say. We'll divide them, and we'll, we'll call them racist. Hank, don't allow Guam to capsize Johnson. This guy got, has got to be the dumbest man in Washington, D.C. Yet, he's elected, term after term. Uh, he caused an uproar in the committee room after accusing witnesses who lost family members in violent crime of being props by MAGA Republicans. Cut five. The MAGA Republican extremists are not interested in gun violence. 
or even knife violence. The Republican witnesses who have used their time to criticize District Attorney Bragg have served as props in a MAGA Broadway production. The real purpose in coming to New York City. Can we have order? The real purpose in coming to New York City. Gentlemen, vote suspend. It gets even better. Adam Schiff, Shifty Schiff, he gets heckled by an audience member after bringing up Donald Trump during the committee's hearing about violent crime. The man, the man shouts to Alvin Bragg, you're a scumbag. Cut six. Instead, it is the GOP leadership in Congress doing what it has done best for the last six years, and that is to act as the criminal defense counsel for Donald J. Trump. Well, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Capitol Police, gentlemen, will suspend. Capitol Police, Capitol Police will remove the gentleman from the audience. Let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. You're a scumbag. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, that same guy, as he was being hauled off, says, "We love you, Jim Jordan." Um, you know, it's. Uh, Bottom line is people are not buying the garbage that the Democrats are trying to peddle. Now, if you watch mainstream media, if you read the New York Times or you read the Washington Post or you, the News and Observer, for that matter, or listen to WRAL or the North, anyway, any of the mainstream media, they are going to present a, a, a different scenario. And it's, it's hard to wrap your mind around it because when you turn, every place you turn, you know, it's it's this narrative that the people are embracing the woke ideology. They're not. I, I really do not think they are. And that, that is one of the things to be somewhat optimistic about, somewhat uh, – that, that's the silver lining of the story. But, uh, again, how mind-boggling is it? that often liberals are 100% guilty of the crimes they're accusing conservatives of doing. So they're coming in. I mean, look, what, was what they have done to Donald Trump, I mean, the, the double standard and injustice with Mar-a-Lago versus uh, Joe Biden and classified uh, information, the, the double standard of our judicial system, the double standard of the FBI, We've got to take a break. When we come back, I've got another blatant double standard for you. Uh, this, is, this is news that's coming out uh, from just the news, but uh, it's, it's pretty much what you expected. Perhaps this is verification of what you already knew. That is, um, who, who is actually stealing the election? Who is actually in charge of the insurrection? It's not Donald Trump. It's not MAGA Republicans. It's the progressive Democrats. I'll tell you why when we get back. This is your Drive at 5 and ENC with Tom Lamprecht. Welcome back to News and Views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Welcome back in. It is News and Views for a Monday. Weather forecast looks pretty good. Partly cloudy skies tonight, a low of 48. Tomorrow, sunny skies with a high near 75. Clear skies tomorrow night. More on Wednesday with a high of 82. In fact, as you look uh, through the forecast throughout the week, it is sunshine every day, a chance of rain on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, the temperatures uh, are going to be pretty nice, though. The coolest day of the week is next Sunday at 71 degrees. 
Tomorrow will be in the mid-70s, and the rest of the week will be in the low to mid-80s. So all in all, a pretty nice weather forecast. Weather brought to you by our friends at the Ironwood Golf and Country Club. As the weather gets warmer and life gets busier, you deserve time to relax and have some fun. Ironwood Golf and Country Club invites you to become a member and make new traditions with friends and family on the course, in the pool, at the courts, or while enjoying a great meal with beautiful views. Ironwood offers a variety of memberships with no initiation fee required. Contact membership director Jenna Doyle. Become an Ironwood Golf and Country Club member today. Call Jenna at 752-4653, extension 202. That's 752-4653. And remember, too, they are a part of the Renaissance Golf Group. So when you join Ironwood, you'll have privileges at the Beaufort Club in Beaufort, North Carolina, as well as Compass Point and Magnolia Greens located near Wilmington. So when you go to the beach this summer, you'll be all set. It is mind-boggling how often liberals are 100% guilty of the crimes they are accusing conservatives of doing. How often did we hear that Donald Trump and MAGA Republicans were causing an insurrection, trying to overthrow and influence the outcome of the election? I mean, Donald Trump calls down to Georgia, and you think he put a gun to the guy's head. Was it Rausenberger? Um, Rafsenberger and uh, said, "You find some signs, find those votes, or I'm coming after you." For the past couple of years, we've been led to believe that the letter from the 51 national security officials was some sort of spontaneous grassroots effort by the intelligence community to warn us about the potential foreign influence behind Hunter Biden's laptop. Remember the uh, Brenner. Um, and others, this is from Just the News, by the way, great article. They, they came out, all 51 signatures, yeah, we all stand firm, this is Russian disinformation, which we since know is now a lie. The laptop has been confirmed to be legitimate. The Office of the Director of National Intelligence confirmed that there was no foreign disinformation campaign involved. But new, inf- listen, all you got to do is take a look at Hunter Biden who is the village idiot, and realized that's exactly what was going on. I mean, <laughs> disinformation. They really did a good job coming up with those uh, porno videos starring Hunter Biden. Uh, new information from the House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan and congressional investigators, with the help of two Obama-era CIA officials, has revealed a new twist in the story. The investigation has uncovered evidence linking the letter dismissing the Hunter Biden laptop as Russian disinformation during the 2020 election. It is connected to Joe Biden's presidential campaign. Again, the investigation has uncovered evidence that this letter from the 51 officials saying that Hunter Biden's laptop is Russian disinformation is now being linked to Joe Biden's presidential campaign. The unsettling revelation of evidence leaking the dismissal of the laptop to Joe Biden's presidential campaign raises grave concerns about the suppression and censorship of crucial information by big tech and the mainstream media leading up to the 2020 election. This could be one of the most significant instances of legitimate election interference in our nation's history. And yet, what do they say? Oh, it was Donald Trump that was doing it. The implications of this investigation are deeply disturbing, must not be ignored. 
Jordan revealed to Just the News that a report on government weaponization is set to be released later this month, detailing the individuals involved in the letter and evidence leaking them to the Biden campaign. Jordan suggested that the letter, the letter may have been a significant interference in the presidential election and was motivated by political considerations. Jordan declined to provide more details as further witness interviews are being conducted this week. It was all done with politics, and it looks like there was some real connections with the Biden campaign, Jordan said. According to Jordan, his team of investigators has obtained valuable insights from transcribed interviews with two former CIA officials from the Obama era. Mike Morrell, who served as acting director, and Nick Shapiro, a former advisor to ex-director John Brennan. Jordan believes that Morrell played a crucial role in coordinating the effort to dismiss the Hunter Biden laptop as Russian disinformation, while Shapiro was involved in coordinating how the story was presented to the legacy media. It's becoming increasingly clear that Morrell and Shapiro were key players in this whole saga, Jordan said. I'm sure the question on everybody's mind is, who is the Biden campaign? Who in the Biden campaign was involved in the scheme? While Jordan has confirmed that evidence linking the letter dismissing Hunter Biden's laptop to the Biden campaign has been uncovered, he says specific ties to the Biden campaign will be disclosed in the interim report. Now, a lot of people out there that are naysayers or, you know, they, they're going to believe anything that the Democrats uh, put forth, anything that Adam Schiff would lie about, they're saying, well, you know, this is, this is coming from Jim Jordan. I, again, Mike Morrell, Nick Shapiro, they, they were high, right underneath John Brennan, ex-director. Why would they turn on John Brennan? Why would they suddenly decide, you know what, we're, we're going to work with Jim Jordan? I mean, did they have a come-to-Jesus meeting? I think what they had was they realized, uh-oh, uh-oh, they've got us. They've got enough evidence. If we don't cooperate, our fannies might be in jail. Uh, you know, it's interesting. What John Brennan, remember just what, a couple of months ago, he was, oh, no, 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 no. We, we weren't ever, you know, we, we weren't making any accusations. It was just, you know, we weren't trying to influence the election. We just, you know, this is what we thought. We were sincere. We honestly thought this. Yeah, right. And now Mike Morrell and Nick Shapiro are coming out and said, no, wait, there is a connection to the Joe Biden campaign. <laughs> Again. And, and, and as this happens, who are they accusing? I mean, the whole time they're accusing Donald Trump of trying to steal the election. Don't look at us. Look at Donald Trump. I, I Boy, I, I hope... These guys end up in jail. News and Observer has got a story out this afternoon. I'm pretty convinced that Tim Moore is running for Congress. Oh, by the way, before I forget, this weekend, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson is uh, going to be at that racetrack making a big announcement. And uh, I don't want to steal his thunder, but uh, we might be calling him Governor Robinson here in a couple of years. Uh, hint, hint. What, I mean, everybody knows what he's going to announce. Uh, we have, now things could change. 
But tune in a week from today at 5.05. Mark, Mark Robinson is going to be on with us. So uh, look forward to that. Yeah, another spam call. Thank you very much. I don't get enough of those. <laughs> uh, Tim Moore is running for Congress. Tim Moore over Easter went over and visited Kiev, Ukraine. Now, I, listen, I, I, he, he, I, I like Tim. He's a good guy. He's running for, he's running for Congress. Now, he went over there and he visited with Samaritan's Purse. Uh, he also visited with another group. Um, what was the name of the other group? A Save Our Allies. Both are out of North Carolina. So, I mean, he had a good connection there with North Carolina ministries and uh, NGOs. But he was over there, met with some family. And listen, it was a good thing. He did it on his own dime. It didn't cost anybody else uh, a nickel. But uh, I think Tim Moore's running for Congress, just saying. Carolina Journal is reporting an audit from the North Carolina State Auditor Beth Woods' office reveals the state's Pandemic Recovery Office didn't properly monitor $159.9 million in federal COVID-19 funds. The North Carolina Pandemic Recovery Office, guess where it falls under? You guessed it, Roy Cooper. It falls under the Office of State Budget and Management, which is a part of Roy Cooper's administration. By the way, I, I don't think he has, but has Roy Cooper, has this administration ever followed through with a distribution of all the recovery funds from Hurricane Matthew? I don't think they have. I think, I think there's people out there still trying to get there. From Hurricane Matthew, how many years ago has that been? And Cooper still can't get that distributed. Uh, this is not the first time that um, Beth Wood's office uh, has chastised the Cooper administration for not tracking federal COVID-19 funds. Auditors say North Carolina Pandemic Recovery Office's monitoring procedures required monthly reviews of sub-recipients of state agencies' expenditure reports, but auditors found no such evidence. No such evidence. They also tested a sample of 40 direct expenditures of state agencies and found no evidence of review of supporting documentation. I mean, it's, it, it, they don't come back and say it was sloppy. It's not existent. Auditors also reviewed all 23 sub-recipients that were assessed as high-risk and found that the additional monitoring activities, a requirement of the North Carolina Pandemic Recovery Office's monitoring plan, were not completed for 39% of the sub-recipients. North Carolina Pandemic Recovery Office management told auditors that they didn't have adequate personnel to compete the monitoring procedures established at the beginning of the program. Now, I'm sure if you dig a little deeper, they will try to blame it on Republicans. Ah, the Republicans, they're in charge of the purse strings. They didn't give us enough money. Auditors say federal regulations require North Carolina pandemic recovery to establish and maintain effective internal control over federal awards that provide reasonable assurance that the entity is managing the award in compliance with federal statutes, regulations, and the terms and conditions of the federal award. Kirsten Walker, State Budget Director of Office and State Budget and Management, and Stephanie McGareth, Executive Director for the North Carolina Pandemic Recovery Office said, quote, they accept the findings 
and made improvements to ensure future federal funds are adequately monitored. You accept the findings. <laughs> well, isn't that big of them? Bless your heart. How about you get canned for incompetence? And listen, in the private sector, if this happened, and again, it wasn't a sloppy job. It was near zero. Nothing was done. In the private sector, would these people hold on to their jobs? Wow. By the way, uh, it is possible. Now, with the Biden administration at the head of the snake, this probably won't happen. But it is possible that the state of North Carolina would have to return some of these funds to the federal government for not following the proper protocol. And Democrats want Cooper <laughs> to run for president? Again, I, I mean, he's not doing this right. I, I, as far as I know, I mean, last time we reported on the uh, hurricane relief funds for Hurricane Matthew, which has been in the last six months, the, the funds hadn't been distributed properly. I sort of doubt that they, uh, they have been distributed. Mecklenburg County Democrats cheered in excitement Sunday as party leaders vowed to win back North Carolina Representative uh, Tricia Kothman's seat after she switched to the Republican Party. Sunday's rally led by Charlotte's U.S. Representative Alma Adams and Jeff Jackson and the chair of the North Carolina Democratic Party, Anderson Clayton, marks the Democratic Party's full-fledged fight to reclaim House District uh, Seat 112, representing East Mecklenburg County, including Mint Hill. Quote, this signifies our commitment to work even harder on behalf of these people whose values we share, whose values we fight for, and whose representative told them very clearly she did not until she decided to deceive us all, Jackson said. Because you were here, they have not been abandoned. So 150 people showed up with T-shirts, and uh, they are now, based on that, going to win back the seat. Uh yeah, you know, I East Mecklenburg County. I, I you know, the, this has been painted on. Granted, she was a Democrat, but obviously she must have had some moderate to conservative leanings to be elected. I mean, my my daughter um, was over in Union County, which is next to East Mecklenburg County, uh, when she went to Wingate, and I, I always pictured that as more conservative than liberal, but. How about this, Democrats in East Mecklenburg County? Instead of screaming and hollering and bringing out a couple of liberals like Alma Adams and Jeff Jackson, why don't you consider actually changing your platform, changing your agenda to conform with what North Carolinians would consider rational? Just rational. You don't have to be conservative. How about just being rational? <laughs> don't hold your breath. We'll be right back. Back to the show that really makes you think. He is a genius. He's all-powerful. He brought a kind of heat. He could be the best. Just don't hurt yourself, okay? More news and views on Talk 96.3 and 103.7. And more information on uh, Joe and Hunter Biden and their schemes. This just out from Fox News. House Oversight Committee Chair James Comer said Monday he has identified six additional family members of the Biden family 
who may have benefited from Biden's family business dealings and vowed to continue to investigate whether those dealings pose a national security threat. I think that boat has sailed. Comer and members of the committee, including Marjorie Green Taylor, Marjorie Taylor Green, I should say, visited the Treasury Department Monday to view financial records related to the Biden family and their past business associates as a part of their investigation. Quote, thousands of pages of financial records related to the Biden family, their companies and associates, businesses, schemes, were made available to members of the House Committee on Oversight and Accountability, which confirmed the importance of this investigation, Comer said in a statement Monday afternoon. The Biden family enterprise is centered on Joe Biden's political career and connections, and it has generated an exorbitant amount of money for the Biden family, Comer said. After reviewing uh, documents, Comer said the panel has identified six additional members of Joe Biden's family who may have benefited from the Biden family businesses. There were no businesses. (laughs) It was businesses like the mafias in business. Extortion. Bribes. Bringing the total number of those involved to nine. The House Oversight Committee will continue to pursue additional bank records to follow the Biden's tangled web. The Biden family has been targeted by foreign, uh, if the Biden family has been targeted by foreign actors, and if there's a national security threat, Comer said, vowing to soon provide the public with more information about what we've uncovered to date. Uh, Listen, I I mean, if the intelligence of Joe and Hunter Biden, uh, could you even get a light bulb to flicker off that intelligence? I I mean, they are... There, there is no way. <laughs> There's no way these are businesses. Wow, it's hard to believe that they're actually smart enough to come up with these illegal schemes. Yeah, it's really going to be interesting to see what they finally get them on. I wouldn't be surprised at all if, at the end of the day, it's like Al Capone. He'll go down on uh, tax evasion of some sort. Now, wouldn't that be interesting, after hiring 86,000 additional IRS agents, if their uh, first um, big nab is uh, Joe and Hunter Biden? Just just pondering out loud. Uh, Town Hall is reporting. Now, this, this is another example of liberals and a constant desire to divide Americans. Pothole Pete Buttigieg. Now, I mean, we, we all know about his incompetence. His name is Pothole Pete for a reason. Uh, You're aware of the airline over the Christmas holidays, how that was a total catastrophe. Then we have the train derailment. Uh, That was a total catastrophe. So what is he concerned with? This is so typical of these woke Democrats. Speaking with the Right Reverend Al Sharpton on MSNBC, Buttigieg declared, quote, we've got a crisis when it comes to roadway fatalities. <laughs> now remember, this is the same guy that told us that bridges were racist. He's now expanded, and it includes roads. Cut to, Clark. We've got a crisis when it comes to roadway fatalities in America. We lose about 40 thousand people every year it's a level that's comparable to gun violence and we see a lot of racial disparities black and brown americans tribal citizens and rural residents 
much more likely to lose their lives, whether it's in a car or as a pedestrian being hit by a car. There are a lot of reasons uh, related to discrimination, related to uh, the, even the ways that roads are designed and built. Who has access to uh, a safe street design that's got crosswalks and good lighting? Who doesn't have that access? That can drive disparities, and we have a, a responsibility to act on that. Is there anything that is not racist to somebody like Pete Buttigieg and Al Sharpton? But, I mean, listen to what he says. Black and brown Americans, tribal citizens, and rural residents are much more likely to lose their lives, whether it's in a car or pedestrian being hit by a car. I mean, you could almost say if if the if the question was well because there's so you know that many Black Americans live in urban areas where there's more cars. I mean, you could possibly you know connect some dots there if you stretch it. But I mean, while there's a large percentage of Black Americans in urban areas, there's still a lot of white Americans in urban areas. But he didn't say that. He says how having all tribal citizens, rural residents, black and brown. So, uh, so I mean, can you give us some logic here? I mean, are the drivers trying to run down those people? Can those people not jump out of the way quick enough? I mean, what, what's the reason? <laughs> so we've got racist roads. These people are so insulting. They're insulting to everybody. I mean, they're insulting everybody's intelligence. But they, they just sit back and keep spitting out this garbage. And we're supposed to sit there and applaud. Oh, how deep. You, oh, Pete, you're so smart. we got to take another time out. We'll be right back. Back to News and Views. Talk 96.3 and 103.7. Well, the transgender uh, boondoggle continues. Uh, this Dylan Mulvaney that Bud Light put on the beer cans. Now Yingling is putting out tweets that has gotten like over 4 million likes. And all they did, I mean, they were smart. They didn't say anything about transgender. They just said, we make great beer. We're the oldest beer company, family-owned beer company in the United States. Started brewing in 1829. Put the American flag out there, and people are eating it up. And uh, not, not eating up Bud Light, I can tell you that. A female teacher in the U.K. has basically lost her job because she went into an all-girls private school and she said, how dare she say this? This is hard to imagine. She goes in and says, good afternoon, girls. It's an all-girls school. The girls protested. The administration should have said, girls, shut up and go back to class. No. Nah. You know what they did? Well, what they didn't do is renew the teacher's contract for next year. They humiliated her. They made her go back and apologize to the students. These were 11-year-old girls. Shame on the administration. 11-year-old girls in this... She was trying to be kind. Good afternoon, girls. Oh, you're fired. Gets worse. This is really bad. Town Hall is reporting Washington State has passed a bill allowing children to legally be taken away from their parents if the parents are not consenting 
to gender transition procedures on their child. According to Senate Bill 5599, shelters could contact the Department of Children, Youth, and Families instead of parents for minors seeking reproductive health services or gender-affirming care. The proposal would pave the way for a more compelling reason to conceal a child who seeks sex change operations or reproductive health services such as abortion. Democrat State Representative Tana Sen praised the bill's passing, saying she supports children who believe they belong in a different body than what they were born. Um, th- this is bizarre, and I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I was going to say I'm not av- advocating vi- vigilanteism, but I will advoc- I won't, I'm not advocating that, but I would advocate parents get out of Washington. Move to a state in which you can control what happens to your child. And, I mean, I know there's not anybody in Washington listening to me right now. Who, who knows? Maybe there's somebody online. But this is bizarre. This is absolutely bizarre that you'd have a state government. I, and I know there are wackos over there on the West Coast. But that you would pass something like this that said we're not going to allow the parents to protect their child from mutilating themselves, from cutting off the genitalia or giving them all kinds of chemicals, who knows what. I, I mean, this this could lead to parents taking extreme measures to protect their children. And you know what? I wouldn't blame them if they did. Hey, thanks again for being with us. News and Views. We'll be back Tuesday at 5 o'clock, 5.05 to be exact. And again, mark your calendar, Mark Robinson is going to be with us next Monday night after his big announcement. We'll see you tomorrow at 5.05. Bye-bye, everybody. All right, all right, all right.